Welcome to another late week edition of the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's. Uh, I don't think we can call it special anymore. If this is a fourth straight week and I've actually done something, you can't really call it special if it's regular. So it's, I guess, becoming a semi-regular thing because soon when the games start, the NFL Network Thursday night games schedule starts, I'm going to be on the road. So I don't know how many of these late week podcasts are going to be possible, but I'm going to do it while I can because there may be an, an, an I and Rich and Eisen. I'm still all about the team. That's the way I roll here on the podcast. And we are, again, presented by Papa John's, who wanted me to let you know that this week, week eight, Halloween weekend, it's a special three-day-only promotion called Papa's Big Treat for Saturday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of Halloween weekend on the new PapaJohns.com. All large pizzas, any toppings, any combinations, including specialty pizzas, just 10 bucks, 10 singular American dollars, only online and only through Halloween. Papa's Big Treat on Papa John's. Com. I'm thrilled to welcome back to the podcast Trent Green. Good to see you, Trent. Good to be back. Thanks for having me back on. And Kurt Warner. Good to see you again, good sir. Good to see you. Look at you two guys, teammates again. Here on my I know. podcast. I like it. I like it. It was All good the first together. time. All together. All together. For you, Rich. <laughs> I, you know what? I appreciate that, Trent Green. And also, of course, Total Access. That's and right. That's right. Fine, I still appreciate it. But it was really guys. just for you. I appreciate yeah. you guys doing this. So, uh, so you guys, when you guys first met, was on the St. Louis Rams? Yes, Back exactly. In yeah, in '99. Yeah, Back in the day, uh -huh. in '99, and you you came. What? what uh, just again, you you were with Green Bay, and then and how did how did Vermeil bring you aboard? What happened? Well, actually, that? you know, I, I came in in '98, actually, a year before Trent got there, mm -hmm. and um, you know, I played. I threw four passes in preseason, so I thought there's no way I'm going to make the team. I actually, met Coach Vermeil in the hallway uh, the day of the last cuts, and he just pulled me aside and he said, you know. There's just something that I feel is special about you, so I'm going to keep you around. And that was kind of how I found out I made That's the team. That's a confidence builder, right? Yeah, yeah, just something about you. But I, I was just happy to be there, so right. I'm like, thanks, Coach. I'll take it. So I was the third-string quarterback um, basically my whole first year. They brought Trent in the next year as Mike Martz came in, and uh, I backed Trent up. And so uh, that was how we first met. And uh, so much of what I learned about the game and so much what I learned about that offense came from this guy sitting next to me, and I owe so much to him for uh, for teaching me. I was annoying, I know. I asked him every single question about every single play. Why do you do this? Why do you do this? What are you thinking? And uh, you know, so gracious to to really help me and and really push me forward in my career. You, really, he was a pest. It was, you know, it was. You have to understand. <laughs> well, you worked with Mike last year. Mike, right. Mike's a pretty demanding Mike coach. Yes. yes, Mike Martz is a pretty demanding coach. Right. And, and Mike and I coming over from from Washington. Uh, you know, we knew the offense. We had both worked under Norv Turner there, and of course, Norv worked under Ernie Zampezi, and you know, on to Don Coriel, and the, basically the evolution of that whole offense and, and how it worked. And uh, so Mike came over, and we really—I didn't know any of the players on the team, and, and Coach Martz was kind of getting to know the staff, and we're trying to throughout the course of the offseason. We're just trying to grind this new offense that everybody just can't believe. What do you mean we're going to go you know, four wide receivers and spread the ball all over the field? You know, Isaac was coming off of a hamstring injury. Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt we hadn't drafted yet. We hadn't traded for Marshall Falk yet, but we knew we had Azakim. We knew we had Ricky Prohl. Uh, Tony Horn was there. We knew we had some guys that we could utilize in this, in this new offense and, and ways to attack it. And so, you know, we just jumped in feet first and... Uh, uh, Kurt asked all kinds of questions, and, you know, I just relayed all my experiences with Norv. I learned so much about the offense from Norv Turner and, uh, and studying tapes of Troy Aikman when they had success in Dallas uh, that I had just had, uh, you know, I went through a similar situation, not, not exactly the same as Kurt, but being a third quarterback for a long time in Washington, right. I got to spend a lot of time studying this offense and learning about the offense. And so I had told Kurt when I came in, I asked me whatever you want. I'm, I'm here to... <laughs> 
I'm here to help away. And, and, then you did, and then you took advantage <laughs> yeah, of that. I took full advantage of so that. So it was, uh, you know, it's a, I give all the credit to Kurt, though. He put all the hard work in. He put all the hours, all the time, studying film, studying, uh, being ready to go. And, and, you know, I like to say, unfortunately for me, I got hurt. But fortunately for Kurt, he got an opportunity. And, uh, and I'm extremely proud of him. Uh, when he got the opportunity, he took, he took full advantage of it, ran with it, uh, led the team to a Super Bowl, got MVP. We all know about his career. But, uh, right. but I can't say enough about him as a person and the way he handled that whole situation. But because of what I know he went through to get to that point, and when he got to that point and had an opportunity, he made the most of it. And that's what I'm proud of him for. Well, how much, how much it, were you around during that year? Because usually when players are hurt, they, they disappear. Right? I, was, I, mean, I was around pretty much the whole time. I, right. I would go back and forth. Dr. Andrews down in Birmingham did my surgery. So I'd go back and forth, have the surgeries, right. go down and check in every now and then for rehab. But when I got to the point in my rehab where I could go to meetings or go out to practice, uh, I got to a point about mid, mid-season where I could make, uh, travel with the team. Mm-hmm. Coach Vermeil was great. The guys on the team were great. Everybody would come in and check on me, encourage me during rehab. And Coach Vermeil's like, listen, when you get healthy, I want you to go on road trips. I want you to be on the sideline when you can you know, do it without, you know, the risk of injury. So, you know, I can't say enough about uh, the players, the coaches, the organization keeping me involved that season. And it was kind of ironic because uh, we were roommates. And I remember having that conversation because Trent had been through some of those same things that I'd been through. He was actually out of football for a year right. teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he was out te- of... Wait a minute, you were teaching? Is that what you were doing? Well, I was back at Indiana and I was trying to help out. And, you know, so I was... They were, I, I thought I was going to go into the coaching ranks, so... Right. Uh, and, then, yeah. and then the Rams yeah. called? And well, then I went to Canada for three weeks, right. and and got cut up there. Had a cup of coffee and got cut and came back. And then uh, and then that's when the Redskins called. The Redskins. Cam Cameron oh, was the quarterback coach in so North, and they I brought me in. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. And then and then and then they and went. Then he for, came, yeah. yeah. Right. But so oh, okay. so I mean, you know, a lot of similarities in our stories, and uh, you know, then obviously the injury. But I can't second enough the the class of this guy because you know a lot of times you get in that situation. I was having success. This team was having success, and so much of it was built off of. This guy, you know, he came in in preseason. I think he was like 28 for 32 in preseason. And, you know, this team was 4-12 and the year before, and everybody's like, uh, same old Rams. He comes in, lights this thing on fire, and everybody starts believing in what we can be. And all I had to do was kind of step in at that point because he had built so much of the confidence. And I think it's easy in those situations to get bitter and say, well, you know, that should have been my team. I should have had that success. This guy was nothing but class, helping me throughout the season, helping me handle everything. You know, one of the, the best things about that season for me was we had all the success, we win the Super Bowl, but was actually watching this guy get his Super Bowl ring because I know how much he meant to that team. I know how much he meant to me, and it was cool to see him get up there and, and, and be represented because I really believe that without him and without him coming in and bringing what he brought through the offseason and through the beginning of preseason, that team would not have made the run that we, were, that we made. Well, and that means a lot to me because that's, people ask me all the time, do you value your Super Bowl ring? You know, obviously, Kurt stepped in, played well, got MVP. The team won the Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP. Do you just put that ring away and you don't? And I said, you know what? I value the ring because the guys on the team made me feel a part of it. The coaching staff and the organization made me feel a part of it. Uh, at the ring ceremony, getting the applause from the guys when I got up to get my ring, you know, that, that was probably, you know, the best moment from that, for, from that year for me because I couldn't directly be involved on the field, but the emotions of that ring ceremony and, and accepting the ring. And uh, to all your listeners out there, they didn't know they're tuning into a love fest today. So, <laughs> no, they, so Kurt and I are no, going no, on and on no, about it. But it's, you know, we, I mean, you can obviously tell we have a lot of respect two, for each other. Of course, but yeah. the two of you guys are, are meshed together for, for many ways. Because yeah. you pointed out your, your, your beginnings are, 
are, are similar. Mm -hmm. And obviously the crossroads at that point in time that was right. brought on by Rodney Harrison. Right. You know, and we also, just to let you know, we tweak Marshall Falk a little bit for missing the block. You know, yeah. and he's a Hall of Famer. Right. He's a very right. prideful guy. Yeah. But, you know, Rodney went around right. Marshall. Yeah. And just, but the, the fact that that happened and, and what's happened uh, as well. And obviously, Trent, you had a very, very good career in the National Football League. But I, I just like hearing two guys reminiscing about this sort of stuff and also just trying to dive into this uh, dynamic about moving forward in the NFL. You just saw Tony Romo's down for the season. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it helped that this happened in the preseason? Do you think you would have had the same success if, boom, Trent Green had gotten things off to a start in week four, week five, week six, this had happened, mm -hmm. and you had come in at that point in time? Do you think it would have been a tougher road? Because you see the way the Cowboys just uh, oh, this past Monday yeah. when Romo went down, they, even Wade Phillips after the game said there was a yeah. letdown. I mean, do you think right. do you think in the way that the fact that when it happened yeah. uh, was a, allowed you to be as successful as it, things were? And doing? I don't know if it was so much for me as maybe for the team. You know, because I think that one of the things you see is a team rallies around a leader. You know, there's a guy that's a focal point of, of you know each team. And when you lose that guy, you see that you know that deep breath taken by the you know, the whole squad, you know, Coach Vermeil, you know, he's crying. Well, we'll rally around Kurt Warner, even though I'm crying right now. We're going to play good football. Um, you know, so you see those things, but you see the whole team do that, too, where it's like, oh, my gosh, we just lost our leader. And so to have, you know, at least just one preseason game to go in and play well, get a week or two under the team's belt right. instead of all of a sudden, okay, this happens on a Sunday, and now, oh, my gosh, we're in the middle of the season. We, we thought we were going to make a run. And so I think it was probably more important for my teammates to see me play. And another key, you know, Trent will tell you, during that whole preseason, I was the whipping boy. You know, so <laughs> yeah. all I got to hear about every day from Coach March was how bad I was. You know, that Trent would make a throw, and then I'd make the exact same throw, and I'd get yelled at for that throw because Coach March would teach Trent through me. Marshall told, told yeah. me this. He, he That's said how that he developed year quarterback. Exactly. about that Cutler is. is that it's mm -hmm. very important that he gets another quarterback in there who yeah. knows the system because right. he will teach Cutler the system through the other through quarterback. The other and it's key That's because, Marshall said this. because yeah. the players, they don't hear the start of the leader getting criticized. Right. So they think, okay, he's doing it right. He's got it right. <laughs> and they'll hear the backup. So what became so critical was when Trent got hurt, all these guys are going, oh my gosh, this guy can't play. All we <laughs> right. heard was him get yelled at during training camp. Right. So I think it was key for me to have a week or two to kind of show guys, we'll be okay. You know, I can play and, and get their confidence in that manner. And I think that's why it was so key that, you know, I don't want to say key because Trent right. got hurt, but that it happened in preseason that allowed us that time to kind of everybody to settle in, see that I could play, and then we could start the season and kind of roll from there. Well, and I, and I think the thing that, that, and I don't want to speak for Kurt, that, that probably helped him with that transition is because we talked all the time. I mean, we, we obviously talked all the time, not only about the offense, but about Mike and about the offense and, and, and running the team and all the different things that got involved in it. So I was telling Kurt, like, listen, I've, I, I know what he's doing. He's yeah. trying to build. He's trying to build you up mentally because if you can deal with this, if you can deal with him in meetings and on the practice field, he knows that the game is going to be a lot easier. And I tried relaying some of that to Kurt, some of my experiences, because that's really a lot of what Norv Turner did to me as a young quarterback uh, and, and what Mike had experienced when we were with the Redskins. He, was, he would try and, and – and, and Norv's philosophy, and I, and I really believe Mike does, uh, has carried on a lot of this as well, is he does not want to diminish the starter in any way – 
to affect what the other guys on the team think. Now, he may call you in one-on-one, -on -one, and I had plenty of meetings with Mike one-on-one, -on -one, plenty of meetings with Norv one-on-one, -on -one, and Coach Vermeil for that matter, later on in my career, where they would say, listen, you're not playing well enough. We need you to do this. You're not managing the game well enough. This is what we're expecting. This is what the locker room is expecting. But it was really a part of their management of their starting quarterback because they knew no matter what everybody says, the starting quarterback's the leader of your team, has to be the leader of your team. Mm -hmm. And so getting that image, getting that, uh, uh, getting those guys believing in that system. So Kurt's right. He, he was. He was he was the whipping boy out through camp. Fortunately, I could tell him, you know, just just deal with it. This is Mike's way. He's, you know, some of the stuff he's telling you, I know he's telling me because I've been around him enough to know, okay, he just said that to Kurt because I did the same exact thing, and so he wants me to you know, listen into that. So uh, I think some of that helped. I think the thing that really helped Kurt, obviously getting that last work in the preseason game, getting guys to believe in it, the opener that year was against Baltimore. And the first game against Baltimore, they had a great defense that year. They went on to win the Super Bowl a couple years later, but that defense was a really good defense. Kurt came out and played very well in the first half, and once the momentum got going, everybody said, now wait a second. Mm -hmm. This is this is just going to keep rolling along, and I think as that first half unfolded and as the second half unfolded and Kurt's throwing touchdowns and stretching the field all over the place, that's when everybody started to buy in. And as that season went along, you know, Kurt's mentioned before the 49ers game. They had they had the Rams number for years and years and years, and they come into uh, into St. Louis, and I don't, I don't remember the score, but it yeah. wasn't, you know, it was over by halftime. I mean, it was just a, a, a lopsided game. So I think all those things factor into it. But once again, the reason he was able to have success is because of the preparation he put in leading up to uh, leading up to my injury. So March is not diminishing Jay Cutler. He's just going to let the offensive line do it for him. <laughs> uh, what do you what do you think Cutler's What do you think March is doing right now in Chicago with Cutler? I mean, he must be pulling his hair out of his head with the mistakes that are going on on the field right now. People were, were wondering on game day morning last week. We had this full discussion as to whether. Uh, is Cutler the right quarterback for this for this offense? And we sort of touched upon it with you yeah. last week on Total Access, but might as well hit this here. What, what do you think Martz is going through right now in Chicago? Well, I mean, I, the thing you know about Mike is he's got his offense. He wants to run his offense because he believes in it so much, and he's had so much success with it. I think the hard part is that Jay Cutler's a different kind of quarterback than I was, than Trent was. We were guys that could see the field, anticipate, and we got the ball out quick. The thing about Jay is he's so physically talented that he's been a guy, I believe, in his past where he goes back, he sets up, he wants to see something come open because he knows that he's got a strong enough arm to make it happen. And in that system, it's all built on timing. You hit your back foot, you're on read number one. If it's not there, you don't hitch twice and continue to look at number one. You move to two on your next hitch, you move to three on your next hitch, and you go through your progressions that way. Otherwise, the timing of the whole offense gets off. And to me, that's where I see Jay struggling right now, is being able to see, understand, okay, timing, nope, nope, and get to his third guy. He's waiting on things, you know, to right. come open, to try to, you know, make it happen with his arm. And in that system, it just doesn't work the same way. And until he can build up enough confidence and have enough anticipation to just depend on what he sees and his arm strength to just let the ball go, I think he's going to struggle within that offense. Well, and a lot of it's trust you build up with your receivers, with your running backs, understanding who's picking up who in your protection schemes, the linemen. There have been times this year where the offensive linemen, they yeah. had their guys, they just got beat one-on-one. -on -one. I don't know some if you of trust that line. Some I mean, he even said in the preseason, but that's the thing. You he have even said in the preseason that, that there were some trust issues. He mm -hmm. flat out used the word trust <laughs> issues. No question. When he well, was that's no about way to build the confidence in the locker yeah. room. I mean, it's... Well, because it seems and, to me that, that that's, that's yeah. a problem with but, him right now, that he doesn't really trust 
you if you're, know, if you're throwing if you're throwing the four route and Kirk can attack, if you're throwing that inside dig, that deep dig, it better be 18 to 22 yards deep inside edge of the numbers, the two yards inside edge of the numbers. You're hitting your seventh step and you're putting it there. And if a receiver's not there, it's on him. And that's what Mike ingrains into the receivers, ingrains into the quarterback. Take your drop, make your hits, get the ball out of your hand. And, you know, you're going to take hits sometimes. Mike, Mike likes five-man protections, six-man protections, because it creates matchups. And that's what the NFL, and that's what he believes and a lot of guys believe, it's matchups. Find your best matchups and utilize that and take advantage of them. Well, but you're right about, you know, the protection issues. That's the other right. thing about that offense, five- and six-man protections. It puts a lot on offensive linemen and backs to recognize what's going on. And that can definitely become a problem where you know as a quarterback, okay, that guy's picked up and that guy's picked up. And you drop back and one of those guys hits you in the head. And <laughs> right. you're like, yeah. hold on. And when it happens over and over and over again, you start looking at those guys to make sure, okay, the back's got him, the line's sliding the right way. And it's, there's no question it's a problem because you are exposed a lot. Then it takes you up your progression. And, and, right. and you're exposed a lot. In that offense, you're exposed. So you need to know. And everybody else needs to know, okay, who's my free guy? Who's the guy I have to look at? Right. And as a quarterback, if you know that in the system, because the system isn't made up of a lot of changes. You don't change plays a lot. You know, you don't adjust. Right. It's, you know, adjustments it's on the fly. Right. Well, I, and I, and I, that's where it gets difficult. I was being somewhat facetious before. I mean, Marshall is obviously one of the smartest football players, smartest people yeah. I've ever met. I mean, he's one yeah. of the most receptive guys. He, he knows where everything is going on, politically, socially. <laughs> I mean, it's, we're not yeah. just talking about football. I mean, they, they don't have a Marshall Falk back there to protect, exactly. you know, and no protection schemes. and no. Yeah. I mean, he knows exactly what's going on right. before the snap, and, and Chicago's got to buy this week. What do you think they're working on this week? I mean, what, what, what do you think March is doing this week? Because they're four and three, and it seems that, you know, nothing's getting any better yeah. in Chicago right now. Well, there's, there's one of two ways. You can either streamline everything and say, listen, these are going to be the group of protections that we're going to use. You guys need to know these stone cold. We're going to limit everything because Michael have 200, 250 plays in a game plan. He's not afraid to do that. So mm -hmm. he's either going to say, this is what we're going to streamline. This is what we're going to do. We're going to focus on this part of the run game, this part of the pass game, and try and get that done. Or he's going to say, you know what, guys, either catch up or get off the bus. Because I'm keeping the game plan the way it is. We're going to spread the field. We're going to get this thing wide open. And uh, so there's one of two directions he's going to go with it. Sent you agree? I would agree. Um, but knowing Mike, I don't believe he wants to pull back. <laughs> no, you know, he, he doesn't, doesn't like the... where he's, he's got to protect it up and limit. But he his has options. such a good defense in Chicago. So, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, it, there may be a little bit forced to say, hey, <laughs> right. okay, we can't keep, you know, dropping back and getting sacked and, and losing yardage. We've got to do something different and allow right. our defense to win games, which is always, I think, a hard thing for Mike because he believes so much in that offense, but something they may need to do. Well, you look at you look at the pick. I mean, one of the picks last week, Jay's throwing a slant and the receiver's running a hitch. I mean, that's just, I mean, that's just communication issue. That's not a protection. You're taking a three-step drop and throwing it. So you need to get everybody on the same page and make sure there's no confusion with what's going on. One quarterback you could choose to win a game right now, active in the NFL. Who would you choose? Tom Brady or Peyton Manning? I, I would go with Peyton. Yeah, if you pick, it just you pick seems that he's, he, he yeah. is at, he's at the an ultimate level right now, right? right? And that's I mean, why and that's why it. everybody is so shocked about the Super Bowl because they're like, oh, you know, no big deal. He's going to go down the field. They're going to tie the game up. It's you know, this is what's going to happen. So when he threw the interception to Porter for the touchdown, I think that's why the whole world was just so shocked because that's what he does. I mean, it's and it's that thing too where, as a quarterback, as a guy that's played in this league, you understand how difficult the position is, but you watch him mm -hmm. and you think. My gosh, has it become that easy? I mean, he, you know, the control that he has on the football. I mean, every throw that he makes is 
exactly where he wants it. You know, back shoulder, front shoulder, low, high. It's just incredible to watch him because and there's so many balls that I say, I'd never throw that. And he puts it on the back shoulder outside, and it's a touchdown. And, I mean, it's just incredible to watch. And this is coming from, from two guys that have played this game and played it pretty well. But I'm still yeah. in awe of how easy he makes this game look. Right. Well, that's why everybody thinks no matter how banged up they are, and they put, you know, Dallas Clark's done for the season, and Joseph Adai is hurt, and Austin Collie's hurt. Mm -hmm. As long as 18 is upright, they're, <laughs> they're a Super Bowl contender. And, and they're 4-2 this week against Houston, 4-2. One of the many fascinating games. You look at the entire week eight schedule. There's not a you, there's not a gimme in the whole bunch. You, uh, you take a look. At, both teams could win virtually every game on the schedule this week. But uh, before before I do let you guys go um, on this this mini late week, not not special, not because of you guys' podcast, because I can't call it special anymore. My podcast <laughs> late in the week if I do it every week. Do <laughs> you think Favre's playing this week? You're not doctors. You don't play one on TV. I asked you before we, we turned the mics on if either of you guys been in a walking boot before. You said no. But this this really does look like this is it for his streak. This re I mean, he's, he's in a walking boot on Wednesday and the game's Sunday. I know he's superhuman, but he's 41 with apparently some cracks in his bones or in his foot. Do you think he plays? I do. I think, I, think, I, think he, I think he finds a way to get on the field. Um, you know, knowing Brett, there's so many of these situations where you say, okay, this is it. You know, hurt his knee, broke his finger on his hand. This is it. I mean, how, how do you play with that? Somehow, some way, he finds, you know, finds something inside to, to get him out there on Sunday. And for some reason, I believe he starts this game. I don't know if he can finish it. Right. I don't know if he can play the way they need him to play with everything going on. But somehow, I think he finds a way to get on the field for the beginning of that game. Amazingly, I agree with you. It's, uh, you know, really? he's, he's played in his career with a partially torn MCL. He's played with broken digits on his throwing hand. He's had multiple ankle injuries and, and dealt with all rib, rib injuries. I mean, he's had, he's had pretty much, you play as long as he has, you're going to have some, some bumps and bruises. He looks but like the, the operation that, guy, you know, like you can <laughs> remove the bread basket. And from the difference him. is is that he's not a Steve Young, Michael Vick, Fran Tarkington kind of scramble guy. He, right. he wants to, at this point in time in his career, at one point in time he ran around, but at this point in time he wants to stand in the pocket and fire the ball. So based on that, I, I think he does. I really do. We'll see. I mean, there, stranger things certainly have happened, and, but he's in a walking boot four days before the game, and that's a big no one. No problem. They're, they're, I know, they're at two and four. They need it. Good to have you guys on. Good Thank to be you. on. Yeah. Kurt it. Warner and Trent Green together again on the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Papa John's, which, by the way, again, is a special three-day-only promotion called Papa's Big Treat for Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of Halloween weekend on the new PapaJohns.com, all large peaches. All of them, any toppings, any combinations, including specialty pizzas, are just $10, only online and only through Halloween. That's it for the, this late week edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast for Trent Green and Kurt Warner. Good to see you guys. Thank you. Kurt, you can still uh, vote for Kurt on a certain program. <laughs> Keep voting. Okay, I'm dancing with the stars. He's still alive. And that's it for this edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast.